Blog Talk Radio. I'll answer the question. You want answers? I think I'm entitled. You want answers? I want the truth! You can't handle the truth! You've heard about it. You've read about it. You've talked about it. And now, you've found it. This is Truth About Trucking Live on Blog Talk Radio, the largest radio social network in the world, with your host, Alan Smith, a veteran of OTR trucking, business entrepreneur, and the most recognized name for assisting CDL students and new graduates. It's time to shut down that big rig, sit back, and come join the conversation. Truth About Trucking Live begins right now. All right, and welcome back to the show. Today is Thursday, May 23rd, 2013. I'm Alan Smith, along with my co-host Donna Smith, and you're already there in the chat room ready to go, Donna. I couldn't believe it. Yep, I got everything. I've got this stand now. <laughs> yeah. oh, well, don't get too cocky because something might go wrong. But, you like the chicken, okay? We yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's a story we'll have to tell one of these days. <laughs> oh well, listen, uh, we have a uh, good show planned for you tonight. Uh, our special guest, Richard Wilson, regulatory expert with Trans Products, Trans Services uh, at TransProducts.com, is joining us again. It's been a while, and we're going to talk about. Uh, something that is uh, coming up right around the corner, and that is the uh, the uh, Commercial Vehicle Safety Alliance Annual Road Check, the CVSA Road Check 2013. And you know, Donna, with this uh, CSA thing rolling out there now, this um, you know everybody's going to have to be on their toes because this is uh, uh, it's not just for drivers now; it's the drivers and carriers and and everyone involved in this thing now. Well, I know. I mean, everybody has to really watch it, and I I can't wait to hear what uh, behind-the-scenes stuff going on. I know Rich has a good discussion with us tonight. So, um, yeah, it's a big deal. Those points are a big deal. They're shutting companies down left and right, and uh, no one knows better than Rich about that. So um, I guess we're going to hear about that, too. Yeah, he has all the inside goodies. He always does, so a lot of great information he always provides. So glad to have him back on here. You know, the CVSA, Commercial Vehicle Safety Alliance, Road Check is the largest targeted enforcement program on commercial vehicles in the world with uh, 14 trucks or buses being inspected on average every minute from Canada to Mexico. 10,000 inspectors, 1,500 locations, and uh, they'll be targeting basically um, nine nine areas, as you should be aware of, and the uh, they include the brakes, coupling devices, fuel and exhaust systems, lighting, cargo securement, uh, steering, suspension. Uh, they'll be checking all uh, frame, van, and open-top trailers, and uh, the tires, wheels, rims, and hubs. So... Pretty important stuff, so we will get started here. Our special guest, Richard Wilson of TransProducts.com, CVSA Road Check 2013. We're going to talk and learn all about it and let you um, 
give you some inside information from our guests on what you can do to prepare and make sure you have a pass the inspections with no violations. So hang with us. We'll be right back with our guests right here on Truth About Trucking Live. You're listening to Truth About Trucking Live on Blog Talk Radio. Alan Smith will be right back. Hey everybody, Alan Smith here with the Truth About Trucking Live on Blog Talk Radio. Have you been driving a big rig for a while now and considering starting your own business as an owner-operator? Well, Lone Mountain Truck Leasing offers the best lease purchase plan in the industry. With a small down payment and monthly payments around $1,000 or less, you make the monthly payment and when the final payment is made, they hand over the title. It really is that simple. There is no big balloon payment at the end, and secondly, the truck is yours, not a lease plan under one truck and company. So if becoming an owner-operator is your goal, do it the right way. Do it the best way. Contact Lone Mountain Truck Leasing on the web at LoneMountainTruck.com or give them a call toll-free at 866-512-5685. That's LoneMountainTruck.com. And be sure to tell them that you heard about them on Truth About Trucking Live. Hey, thanks again for listening to Truth About Trucking Live. And I want to tell you about XRS Corporation and how they're leading the way for the industry's mobile technology. XRS puts the power to improve every aspect of trucking in the hands of the ones who matter the most, the drivers. Named to honor the natural evolution of Zada, their previous name, and Road Science, their ongoing business focus, XRS is a company and a breakthrough mobile technology platform dedicated to alleviating the increasing demands on drivers owner-operators, and fleet managers. XRS is leading the trucking industry's migration to mobile devices for collecting and analyzing compliance and management data. Through XRS, fleet managers, owners, and drivers can collect, sort, view, and analyze data to help lower costs, increase safety, attain compliance with governmental regulations, and improve customer satisfaction all through their mobile devices. Their simple plug-and-play solution eliminates costly equipment purchases, installation, and training by delivering intuitive cloud-based technology built directly through all major wireless carriers to virtually any mobile device. For more information, visit them at xrscorp.com, and you can also find them on Twitter, Facebook, and YouTube. XRS Corporation, dedicated to making the life of the driver easier. Learn more about their breakthrough mobile technology platform. Check them out at xrs.com. This is Truth About Trucking Live with Alan Smith. To be a part of the program, call in now at 347-826-9170. Skype users can call in by clicking on the Skype button on our show page. To be a sponsor of the show, email Donna at info at truthabouttrucking.com. Now, back to the show. I 
All right, welcome back. Uh, Richard Wilson, regulatory expert with transproducts.com with us to discuss the uh, CVSA Road Check 2013. And Richard, welcome back. And I see from the uh, chat room you're joining us live from a Holiday Inn somewhere in there in Texas. Yes, sir. Sitting right down here in Channel View looking at I-10 all backed up eastbound. (laughs) (laughs) Well, what's new about that? So... Uh, on the road again, boy, you travel all over the place. Oh, yeah. Oh, uh, yeah. I'm down here doing some work in the Houston, Pasadena, Lake Charles area, and and uh, be getting home, enjoying sitting outside, enjoying the beautiful sun. Well, good. I mean, I haven't talked to you in a while. Uh, how how you how you been doing? You been doing all right? Yeah, I've been doing good. Been uh Staying up on things, trying to uh, keep all my clients and customers and friends and fellow truckers straightened out and working, helping them and helping promote, working on the um, uh, the survey, which uh, I read the thing today from Landline Magazine where uh, Hope is uh, going to take the survey and uh, combine it with the Federal uh, Transportation Highway Safety Administration, so... That was really good news. Now, did that go out today? I must have missed that. Um, yeah. Was that an article today, Rich? Yes, yes, yes. Yes, it was. Okay, because I'll um, have to, now, now, from what I understand, I'll have to read the article. Um, we're going to take our survey, or you're going to take your survey, she's going to take her survey, and then when you say combine it, can you, um, you know, kind of expand on that a little bit? Um. It basically covers it. It just said that uh, they're going to take the data that comes in and they're going to combine it um, and put it together, and that's what they're going to present. Uh, I gather that's what they're going to present to uh, Congress. Uh, that makes it more important why every truck driver out there in the sound of our voice and everyone that's on Facebook and anyone else that has any social media connection needs to stay advised and get on there and fill that thing out. Your your information is very important. It's going to be heard. It's going to be read. And as we have always liked to say, and I've always said, you know, we have a voice. There's a strong uh, following out there. Everybody has an opinion. The survey uh, breaks it down into uh, every category, uh, complete categories. And I... You really need to go in there and fill that thing out because we need the information. We need input. And the more input we get, uh, the more legitimized that the the survey is going to be and the more we're going to put it to people that, uh, as as truckers like to call it, Alan, uh, we're going to put it to the suits in Washington and tell them what it's really like out here. Well, well, that's that's what I wanted to confirm because when you when you said that, I was like, what? Um, so, in other words, DOT is going to take uh, the survey that you know you're going to be presenting with Hope and Andy and you know everybody that's involved with that, and you're going to be um, sharing that. They're going to take that data and include it in their study. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, I, I, the way I read the article, the data that comes out of the survey will be combined with the survey that they're producing, um, you know, and they're going to combine the data and uh, uh, jointly put it together so um, and, and see what's really going out there. They're actually listening to the voice of the drivers. But 
Remember, guys and gals, you don't fill it out, you won't get your voice heard. Well, well I just want to want to say, Rich, and I don't know the last time that you logged on to the survey, but I logged on it about a half an hour ago just so I could give some numbers out on this show. And we put that out eight days ago, and so far there's 1,380 completed surveys. Now, there's 1,901 responses to it, which means people either stopped in the middle of it, they're going to come back, or maybe they were just, you know, looking at it, I'm not sure. But completed in eight days is 1,380, and that averages out to 173 people a day. Now, if we can get, I don't know if OIDA has the survey link up on their website, and I'm not sure if Overdrive does. I haven't checked. Um, I did send a couple of emails out, but, you know, I'm not sure. But if they put it up, it'll pro- those numbers will probably even go up higher. We're getting ready to put out uh, a newsletter with that in it, so we're hoping that's going to increase the numbers too. But um, I think I think there's going to be a lot of a lot of surveys uh, taken. I mean, if if we've got there, well, almost 1,400 in a little over a week, what do you think? Oh my God! I mean, I I, it, I have to admit it totally surprised me. Um, mm-hmm. That fast, that many. Um, you know, I knew it, I, I figured it might be a little bit slow, but uh, I'm like totally amazed that. Um, uh, you know, the, the response to it uh, is a good thing. Um, and, and you know, here it is right here. Uh, it's on the uh, Landline blog from Sandy. Um, okay. Can you in the uh, in the... Well, it's on the... Donna, it's on the AskTheTrucker.com also, too, isn't it? Oh, you mean... Okay, I thought he was talking about the article that he read. Oh, what are we talking about? The article or the or the, how to yeah, get the, to the... the article. Yeah, the everything, everything is impossible and somebody does it. Um, it talks about last month, the board of directors met with Tom Kearney, the freight operations program manager for the Federal Highway Administration at the OIA right. headquarters. And um, I guess he had met with uh, Hope in uh, Senator Tonko's office. And um, it says in here, uh, explains what it was, and it says that the FHWA Trucking Parking Survey and Comparative Assessment is expected to begin this fall. Hope's project is already off the ground. She is urging the truck driving community to complete a 33-question online survey outlining the daily struggles and find safe, uh, safe truck parking while out on the road. The worth of this collaborative effort must be noted. There is are many voices that need to be heard regarding this dilemma and the number of opinions to consider. The lesson is this. Putting it, all this together and coming up with reliable and statistical measurable data is a tough task. So we're combining it. So you must be pretty excited about uh, that presentation in uh, October. Yeah, but I'm not excited about all the work i got to do to get the data together. I don't envy you. I tell you what, people don't realize the work involved after the survey to make those results sing and tell a story, and, uh, you know, it has to be done right. So my hat's off to you two guys, and, uh, 
You know, I'm just going to enjoy listening to it that that night. And by the way, everybody, um, Rich is presenting with Hope at the third annual Truck Driver Social Media Convention uh, in Kansas City at Harris on October 11th through the 13th. So I hope you do come and see the, hear, hear for the first time the results and the presentation of the truck parking survey. Rich, is the DOT coming? I heard they were coming. Um, well, I'll put it to you this way. Right now, I haven't heard anything official, and mm-hmm. I'm not, I'm not going to be like the lady from the IRS uh, until I get an official uh, notice. I'm not going to publicize it, but I hear rumbling and rumors there may be some people with DOT in the audience. Okay, that's what I heard too, and I guess I guess the first person they'll tell is Hope. So, um, yeah, I think last time we heard Donna, they were having to. Uh, all this has to go through the, you know, go through the channels, and they have to get approval to come and all that. Yeah, just uh, it takes time. It, you know how it is. And if people want to take that uh, truck driver that that parking survey, uh, they can just go to at, uh, com and they'll see it right up there, kind of like up in the top right corner, right? Yeah, there's a big box on com. Uh, and it just says take the truck parking survey and be a part of this. Uh, everybody needs to be a part of this. So, you know, like I said, it looks like people are pretty excited. I know the Truckers Forum has it up on their side. A few forums I noticed have put it up. So uh, I'm glad to see that people are supporting this. Well, yeah. Um, Go ahead. What I, wanted, what I wanted to say was, you know, um, there's two things. When you know the, the the social media convention, uh, I you know I've tried to be an educator, um, you know, and I've tried to help the truckers, you know, uh, overcome that stigma. They don't have a voice, and right. I've been you know such a, a advocate to pointing out that the drivers do have a voice and teach the drivers. And as far as I'm concerned, working with Hope is a privilege. And a um, you know I feel very blessed that I can help her in her cause and be a part of that cause and this survey is that cause and uh, help present it you know the data for her and, and work with her I, I I consider that a a great privilege and um, I I I just can't emphasize enough. Uh, how wonderful it is to work with her in her cause because it's, uh, you know, in, in the memory of her husband and uh, for her family and uh, to make it a safer place for people that are just trying to do their job, you know. Um, right. I, I really, 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 you know, um, am, am very, very proud and privileged to be a part of that. And all the work that is done is for her and for her cause and for the social media convention, so uh, I don't look at it as a task. I look at it as a privilege. Well, I appreciate that. And you've had uh, this is your third year. You've had two two tremendous uh, presentations under your belt. And uh, you know what can we say? You know, thanks and what a great job and what a dedication to the trucking industry. And one last thing, you know, uh, before we really get into the show, I just want to let everybody know that Rich um, has been recognized by his peers 
and uh, was nominated for this year's Making a Difference Award. So he is one of the candidates, along with Kathy Cass of A Trucker's Wife and Randall Doan, drone of a uh, of the Deaf Truckers United. And so that's, you know, we're really happy to have them as the three candidates. And we're going to be putting more about that survey out a little later. We got so bogged down with the truck parking survey. Sorry, Rich, Kathy, and Randall. You guys got a, kind of got by the wayside with your survey, but it's coming. <laughs> well, you know, hey, listen, uh, there's much more deserving people out there doing uh, things for their, you know, their cause as well. So, uh, you know, I, I, I'm very flattered uh, to be a part of it, but, uh, you know, I'm also very humbled to the fact that uh, what I do, I do with compassion from my heart because, you know, my seat has sweated just like everybody else out there. I've been there, done that, and uh, what I do, I do for uh our community, and I consider it a community as much as a job. So, you know, hey, uh, we do what we got to do. We get the job done, and we go on with it. And, and you know, we make it better for the lives of every trucker out there. Our, our, we are very important. Unfortunately, uh, everything that I've spoke on has been beforehand and has come true. And, uh, you know, um, it's it's good that we're educated, you know, bringing bringing the intelligence level up of the drivers and making them uh, better uh, informed and uh, being able to speak on their behalf. Uh, like I said, I'm I'm very flattered and and and, and I'm uh, um, I'm very humbled by this. Well, we're we're happy that you uh, that you are a major nominee and and are now a candidate. So we'll. Uh, it's up to the voters now. We'll just keep putting the link out in a little bit and, um, you know, get everybody to cast vote for three very deserving people. Okay. Yeah, and we we also should mention helping, uh, assisting Richard and Hope with the uh, presentation for this survey is uh, Andy Warkaba of Warkaba & Associates and AirDoc, and his company, Warkaba & Associates, designs uh, – designs rest areas and parking spaces so there's going to be uh, Richard and Andy helping with hope so uh and helping with the actually helping hope with her research now that you say that and I'm glad you did bring that up is uh Desiree Wood, Sandy Talbot of the Women's Truckers Network they're very involved in um helping hope with the research and you know with all the meetings we had um, they were always on them, going over the questions, and I mean, it was it was a painful task, wasn't it, Rich? Finally getting that final survey compiled. I mean, back and forth, back and forth. Yeah, it was, but you know what? It was a labor of love, and when you it when, was. When, when you mm-hmm. when you have something that you're that dedicated to, and getting the right questions, because we wanted one thing we wanted to do with the survey was to make sure that we tried to put as many scenarios as are actually out there and not some tainted survey that's put together by a bunch of Washington bureaucrats. Uh, right. Because too many surveys over the years have have been tainted towards um, safety advocates, uh, you know, big companies. And this one is one of those surveys that, you can be an owner operator or you can be a driver for a large carrier 
Um, I mean, I want to see more owners uh, of small trucking companies, mid-sized trucking companies. I'd like to see them. I'm pushing it with uh, uh, my clients. I said, please, go take this survey. Represent your people. Um, you know, put it out there. I, I'm printing out flyers on my own, and I'm handing them out. So the, uh, you know, my clients, they put them on their table in the office or whatever. When the guys come in, they're putting them in their paycheck envelopes to please fill, out, fill this out. Uh, this is important because the owners have a stake in this too as well because they want their drivers to be able to take a break. You know, I mean, we get all these mandatory regulations telling us what we've got to do, when we got to stop, where we got to stop, at what time we got to stop. But darn it, if we don't have a safe place to stop, who wants to stop? You know, so, I mean, there's there's a consorted effort for everybody to get involved, not, you know, just uh, this isn't a singled-out owner-operator deal. Or, I mean, this is everybody because safety and, and the livelihood of, and protection of a driver is at a benefit for the carriers as, as much as it is for the drivers themselves. Oh, absolutely, and, you know, if you want to – uh, be present for the presentation for the results of the survey, which is uh, will be going to the DOT and the FMCSA and possibly gathering for the Congress, as you heard earlier in the show. Uh, you got to reserve your seat for the uh, 2013 Trucking Convention, truckingsocialmedia.com. That's where you can do that. And uh, we can get going now. Um, the show is actually about the road check, but it's good to get all that out there. So, but let's let's dive in here um, with the CVSA road check 2013. I mean, it happens every year, but like I was telling Donna, with the CSA now and everything going full force, uh, uh, it could be pretty hot and heavy. I mean, uh, 10,000 inspectors, 1,500 locations. 14 trucks or buses being inspected on average every minute between Canada and Mexico. So pretty big deal, Richard. Yeah, I mean it's 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 our annual blitzkrieg, as we like to call it. Um, <laughs> you know, unfortunately, unfortunately, it's you know everybody has to understand CVSA is a is a unilateral organization combined in North America that tries to set a standard for truck inspections, and everybody pretty much knows CVSA is a little yellow sticker or a little sticker in the window that you get when you have a good inspection. But CVSA is the one that sends a standard for inspections, and uh, this, uh, this, ins this, this uh, inspection that comes up every year uh, is, is a data-gathering uh, data, data, you know, um, and that's what it's designed for, is to see how many trucks they can inspect, how many they can find with violations, uh, you know, how many hours of service. They'll, they, you know, in about seven to eight months, they'll compile the data, they'll put out a survey. But what we have to be careful, and this is one of the reasons why, you know, when I had talked to Donna and, and Alan about coming on tonight is, um, you know, this is the time when you really, really have to be precise. You're talking 72 hours. You're talking making sure you do your pre-trip inspections. Make sure you do your post-trip inspections. Make sure that if you have an issue with the truck that you notify through your vehicle inspection reports, through your communication with your shop, with everybody that you have a problem, and bring up the point that, hey, I'm going to be out on the road for those dates, and uh, unfortunately, those dates are my birthday, so 
I always kind of, it's my anniversary every year when the road check happens as I get another year older. So, but the thing about it is everything that you probably or you might overlook and say, ah, well, I'll get it fixed when I get back. No, this is the time prior to it. And right now is when you got to start because we're talking next week. So, you know, in the next week, if you got something wrong with your truck, you got to make every effort you can do to get it fixed get it taken care of because not only is it gathering data for uh, the CVSA to present and uh, for the USDOT and the Mexican Department of Transportation, the Canadian Department of Transportation to take to their legislators and, uh, uh, you know, data on, on unsafe drivers. Um, you know, it's not a it's it's, you know, truck drivers like to call it a witch hunt. But the witch hunt is already happening. CSA is, is the witch hunt. Um, you know, it's so funny. I've been preaching and, and preaching and preaching unaccountability uh, of, of truck enforcement in, since 2010. Um, everybody out there, we can all tell tens of thousands of horror stories of violations that are being wrote up that are erroneous and PSPs, you know, and, and companies and especially smaller companies getting nailed. Uh, and filing data cues and data cues being refused, well, this, you know, that's an outshoot of what is going to happen out of this. Uh, you're going to have more people on the road. You're going to have uh, more inspectors out there doing the inspections, but you're also going to have more erroneous violations being written up, and there's no accountability on enforcement. Uh, I just read a survey the other day with um, uh state of Maryland, for example, which I'm very familiar with as being in a neighboring state and having to deal with the repercussions of what's going on in Maryland. And Maryland was rated in Todd Dills' survey uh, next to California as one of the top inspection states in the country. It's also, from my unofficial uh, survey, that it's one of the most erroneous writing violation states in the country. More violations are being wrote, written up that are totally wrong, uh, just to make numbers. Multiple violations that normally in the past prior to CSA were written up under like one. Uh, another thing is a lot of the 392.2, which is violation of all local laws. Um, I've actually recently gone through a court case where we actually beat a case in court. And part of the, uh, you know, part of the situation was I requested that if the data queue was filed, that it be removed because it was beaten in court and was told by the state of Maryland truck enforcement that uh, civil liabilities of fines written by the state and abjuncted by the courts had no bearing on uh, the results of the inspection, that they stood behind their inspector. Uh, I actually got in sort of trouble because I brought up in front of the judge, in front of everybody in the court, I said, so the officer can tell me every inspection he had in the last year, and he can particularly pick my client out of those inspections and single them out and remember everything during that inspection to the point where he can make a decision on that queue to, to make no um, uh, action taken. <clears throat> and uh I got a I, I, I got a um unofficial um notification by uh Officer Doffelmeyer from the state of Maryland that 
you know, they weren't going to accept uh, if, a, if a driver got a beating court, they weren't going to take that into consideration, that it was the opinion. And this is the part that got me. It was the opinion of the officer that the violations were true and correct. And I'm like, but it was beating court, and it didn't matter. It was the officer's discretion, and we're finding out, you know, I just recently came, or FMCSA just recently came out with an article with it, where the new enhancements of data queue, well, you can enhance the web page all you want, but if nobody's going to listen and nobody's going to be uh, pay attention, and if you're going against the ego of the inspecting officer and you're going to file a data queue against that officer and that officer says, well, everything I did was right, then I think, you know, it's kind of like the questions that were asked to the lady from the IRS, you know, accountability, and I've been preaching accountability. Who's Who's holding these people accountable? Um, you well, know, the people that that's, was one of the fears early on. Um, I can, you know, we can pull back, you know, a show you did, and I think that was one of the issues that was brought up uh, early on, or one of the anticipated fears, or you know, that that we discussed. So, you know, the, the bottom line is, you know, what are they going to do about it? Are they admitting that this is an issue? Is this a problem? Is anybody no. from no? No, no, absolutely not. They won't admit it. They won't admit it. Why? What, you know, I, I, let me say this. You know, why would they admit it? If you did a job every day and somebody of a supervisory personnel came in and said, "Hey, I got complaints. You weren't doing your job," the minute, immediately you become defensive. And you know, the the supervisors and the chief truck enforcement officers uh, have to back their people. I mean, that's just net nature how it works. You know. And I hate to use the expression, but everybody knows, you know, the good old boy network of the officers is very strong. So um, what I'm saying is people, you know, and I say people, I mean guys and gals that are out there driving, make sure everything is right. If you do paper logs, make sure you do the form and manner correctly. Don't just go, oh, well, you know, Maybe you need to take a refresher course on how to do a logbook. You know, go on the website. Uh, you know, the funny thing about it, this is what gets me. The website that the FMCSA produces has examples of logbook examples, but they're only the graph grid. They don't show the form and manner. But a recent survey that was done in a three-state area that, that we did in our office showed that more form and manner violations now are being written by paper law because the uh, people that have EOBRs on board aren't being inspected, two reasons. One, you know, the you know the 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 truck enforcement officers are behind the EOBR rule, and number two, they know that if somebody makes a clerical mistake on a piece of paper and they can write it up as form and manner, now that HOS has its own um, you know basic that they can write up, you know, the most minimal orders. In other words, I saw a survey that said, you know, there was an increase of 300% in violations being wrote up on drivers not putting bill of lading or commodity numbers on paper logs. Well, excuse me, but I just recently did a audit to a major company that uses electronic onboard recorders, and not one driver, their system did not, require them to put a commodity or bill of lading number on their electronic log. 
So over a six-month period, 325 trucks were all in violation, the same as what the single guy is out there, by not writing the word like Alan would write on his gas. You know, he's hauling gas. He's hauling fuel oil, you know, or a bill of lading number. You know, and that is a violation. It's a form and manner violation. But if you look at under the hours of service basic, continual violations are probably going to be more than hours of service or 14 and 11-hour violations are going to be form and manner violations. So if you're going paper logs, you stand a chance of getting more violations for form and manner than actual hours of service. So, you know, if you're not, you know, checking electronic logs and you find a carrier that's not including them onto it, then every driver out there, even though they have an electronic logs, are not putting the commodity or the bill of lading number on it, then they could be written up. But if you're not checking them, you'll never find it. So we know what the, the, the sweetnesses is in a lot of areas, but we also know that the inspections are a tainted inspection because that, you know, not all of the electronic onboard recorders are being inspected. And one of those reasons is, one, the police officers don't have the time or the gumption to read the paper that's carried by the drivers on how to read the functions. And it's like the uh, distinguished colleague from Pittsburgh uh, Police uh, Truck Enforcement, I'm not climbing, that he made public in a mix-act meeting, I'm not climbing over the lap of a dirty truck driver to read his uh, EOBR screen in his truck. And, you know, I'm, I mean, you know, this is the attitude of these people. So, um, you know, you have you have variances within the enforcement community that are not playing in a fair field, and they're, they're um, you know, criticizing and, and they're uh, indicating, you know, weaknesses within our system and using it to their advantage because, one, they're generating revenue for the state, and, and we all know that. We could uh, we could discuss that argument for hours, but they are generating additional revenues. And second is the fact that they can concentrate on the smaller carriers and make more what we call contacts. So they can produce uh, roadside inspection with contacts and, you know, make sure that their federal funding is there, that they meet all the requirements of uh, – you know, CVSA, of FMCSA, of MAT-21, uh, you know, anything that DOT throws at them through the FMCSA office. So, you know, I mean, it's 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 a continuing um, burden amongst our drivers to be more particular in, um, you know, form and manner and in, uh, um, you know, their paperwork, their administrative, but Show me where a bill of lading number on a log constitutes highway safety, you know, protects the general motoring public. It doesn't. So CSA has turned out to be not a tool to promote safety, as was originally um, uh, stated in the formation of the committee, which I was there during the very uh, inception days. It has become an enforcement tool a tainted enforcement tool, a one-sided enforcement tool to generate money, to quantify by, you know, targeting a particular group of people, and by writing up, you know, 392.2 all local law violations, uh, such as parking and other stuff like that. Um, and under the time weight frame of it, uh, if you have a, you know, a smaller free, uh, fleet, 
you can get a lot of smaller, insignificant, safe, un, not tied to safety, but they can raise your th thresholds much higher and cause an intervention by the Fed to come in. And obviously, a smaller company is going to be more, um, you know, uh, let's just say a little bit more um, prevalent for them to come in because they can come in, they can do a smaller company, they can do it in less time, they have less expense, the fine structures are going to be primarily the same, you know, somewhere at six to seven to ten thousand dollar range, and, uh, you know, they're going to be able to pay for themselves, where if they go to a much larger company, it's going to take three or four inspectors, you know, it could take as much as a month to do an inspection, and the outcome of it isn't going to be as... Uh, um, you know, cost effective for the Fed. So, uh, yeah, the smaller carriers are uh, targeted. The owner operators are targeted. Um, they're a target-rich environment. It gets the numbers up. It makes the Fed look good. It makes the Fed look like what they're doing. It makes Ann Farrow look like uh, you know she's doing a really good job. But in fairness, it's not fair. So, CVSA uh, Highway Check is another. Uh, and that's why I call it a blitzkrieg. Like you said, they're going to be inspecting, you know, trucks every second, every minute, and they're going to be compiling that data. And nothing tells me that anything is going to be different during the CVSA. The only thing that tells me there's going to be more federal officers out there at the scales, at the roadside inspections, as well as the state. Um, and I know there's some states, uh, I don't know the names of them, but I just know they're out there that don't participate in it. Uh, they don't have the manpower. They don't have the funding to do it. Uh, but then there's other states that have found where uh, roadside inspections are a cash cow, and they're going to be beefing it up. Um, the state of Maryland just put 136 new inspectors on the payroll. They didn't put 136 inspectors on the payroll because they weren't being funded. And guess who's funding them? Who? Who? You there? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, who? I just took a break. I thought you might want to say something. <laughs> oh, no. I, well, I, I did. I said who. <laughs> yeah, I mean, so, I mean, this is where... This Who's is funding where them? They're funding themselves. They're self-funded by their roadside inspections. Fines are right. Oh, 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 the cash cow, yeah. But, you know, yeah. you know, you, you know, you talk about this, um, you, know, you know, for... A driver to get a, a violation for the form and manner, you know, as you were talking about, I mean that that's that's a little ridiculous, really, because something as simple as a form and matter manner, and it and it's right in the uh, FMCSA regulations that the commodity and the BOL number need or the BOL number needs to be on on the uh, the log there, but you know, and and it can get a it can't. Even something as simple as a form of manner can be a serious violation if that driver's holding the amount of quantity, let's say, of hazmat on that trailer, and that that amount of quantity that requires it to be, you know, uh, uh, on the form and manner, and they don't put that on there, they have a wreck, and now, uh, you know, the the emergency people are getting there uh, with a commercial motor. A commercial vehicle accident, not realizing that there's some form of hazmat on there because they didn't put it on the form and manner. Oh well, I was just using that as an example of one because the company I did was chickens, so I mean it oh. didn't have to do with hazmat. I mean they all. I mean oh, I realize that, but I, but I, yeah. I'm just saying 
for you know for a professional driver to to receive a violation for something something as simple as a form and manner, uh, I mean that shouldn't happen anyway. I mean it does, but right. it shouldn't. But so it does, that, that but, was just but, my point. Go ahead. But I mean, here was even somebody with electronic logs that you know. I mean, that's all they haul. So basically. They could have had that electronically put in, but until I did the audit, they didn't even realize they were in violation. Well, they got no violations written up because they don't even get checked because they have an EOBR on board. So, but I was using that. But I mean, when I see people wrote up because they abbreviated a city, I mean, yeah. what does abbreviation of a city have to do with safety? Nothing. Oh, nothing. But what? What are? What are the? How? How are these companies? I mean, what about their uh, log department? I mean, you mean to tell me that there's nobody there realizing that they're not putting the uh, required information on the form and manner? Well, the company, they, I mean, I'm going to tell you who it is. So I'm, I mean, it's, it's Qualcomm, um, which is a very well-recognized uh, electronic onboard recorder. And they took it uh, to 100% that when Qualcomm came in and set up their program, that their program was compliant based on the way Qualcomm, on their reputation, when in actuality I had to go in there and find out that Qualcomm didn't set it up right. So, you know, just because they're Qualcomm doesn't make it 100% that it's totally compliant. Well, let me ask you a question, Rich, okay? What's going to happen... When everybody uses EOBRs, what, they're not going to stop anybody then? I wish I could answer that question. Um, uh, they'll be stopping still, but... They can, I stopping. mean, they, they can't check what? What's it going to change? What's going to change is the states are going to have to better train their inspection officers on how to read these, and the officers are going to be forced to take more time to pull the guys in and do level twos and level threes. I mean, I've seen, um, you know, level one inspections, you know, which is the full inspection, um, but not checking the logs. But then again, I've seen where uh, a particular entity or a regional FMCSA office will contact uh, the states that are under their jurisdiction and they'll say, we need more level threes. And the level threes aren't done as much on the EOBRs because there's so many of them out there and so many different programs that uh, they don't want to waste the time. So obviously if somebody's not doing an EOBR and doing a paper log, they're going to be the targeted uh, group that they're going to go after because it's going to be easier for you to hand them a log and them to inspect your log, and hopefully your log will be correct and you won't get any violation, but they'll be able to put the data together that did that more level three inspections. I look for this CVSA. I look for uh, three things I look for based on the seven basics. Hours of service. Driver fitness and drug and alcohol are just about almost uh, inert anymore with the self-certification and, uh, you know, of, of the driver medical card. So I don't think you're going to see as many unqualified, medically unqualified drivers. I, I see a concentration on uh, hours of service, uh, maintenance as a high. Maintenance is probably going to be your number one, and I would say hours of service is number two, and load securement, uh, which is under maintenance now, is probably going to be number three. 
and uh, I think they're going to be your top um, uh, categories of the basics that are going to be concentrated on during this road check. So everything is well, that's in the what, control of the driver. Yeah. Yeah, that's what I was uh, about to jump in and say, too. I mean, I totally agree with you. I mean, uh, figuratively speaking, just forget the EOBR and the and the logbooks. I mean, the maintenance alone is enough. I mean, everything I read off, the brakes, the coupling devices, fuel systems, exhaust systems, lighting, the cargo securement, steering, suspension, frames, tires, wheels, rims, hub. I mean, they got enough right there to uh, to, to get you on something. Right. And, and, and you know, uh, all the surveys that have come out in the last five to seven years uh, showing crash causation, um, crash causation in a lot of cases don't take into consideration even the ATA, my, my, my very good dear friends, uh, came out and said that in their study that uh, how many crashes were caused by uh, the actions of the uh, general motoring public uh, in four-wheelers around the drivers was higher than was ever considered before. So how do you determine in redu reducing of the crash causation by inspections, uh, you know, for four-wheelers doing dumb stuff? You know, that's not included into that. So to make it a relevant, you know, information data gathering, they have to go after the specifics. And that's why I started out by saying make sure as a driver that your equipment is up to par, that uh, if you have problems, that you uh, notify whoever you need to notify, and and also make the comment. You know, listen, this thing is coming up next week. You got to fix this stuff because it's going to hurt you as a carrier if you come in and you have a large amount of of uh, uh, maintenance violations. That uh, in a 72-hour period, if you have a considerable size fleet and you get a lot of those violations, your time wait on that on that CSA report can become very high, and we're you know basically giving the numbers where a two or a three may not be that significant. A multiple twos or threes could turn into tens, twelves, and so forth. So, you know, you've got to make sure that your stuff is right, your truck is right. Your paperwork is right, and, you know, you really, really crack down and concentrate. And it, this shouldn't just be a 72-hour thing. You need to concentrate on it year-round because we know what's out there. We know what's going on. We know that these that these uh, inspections can, can show erroneous violations. So let's not give them any reason to pick us out and find a small item that could cause them to go into a deeper inspection I mean, you know, like I told a guy the other day that I do work for, you know, get the power washer out. Wash the chassis. Wash the frame. Wash it up. You know what's happening. So get it right. You know, don't sit there and bitch and moan. Get it right. And and don't be a target environment because, you know, human nature is I'm an inspector, you know, and, and Alan, you've been around for a long time. You know, if you get a truck rolls on the scale that looks like a piece of crap, then in general it's probably going to be a piece of crap. You take a truck <laughs> that pulls on the scale that's clean and, and it's taken care of and it looks good and there's not a lot of grease, they're probably going to take it, look at it and say, oh, why spend the time? We'll find somebody else. So, you know, we yeah. are we are the controllers of our own destiny, and, and we need to get on this as drivers and take the responsibility, and we have to take it for our carrier and, 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 and get this stuff fixed and don't get caught. You know, the old proverbial, well, the light was working when I left, stop once in a while just because lights can go out. But check them. You know what I mean? Yeah, you well, know well, it's that, 
yeah. it's that keyword it's that keyword you always throwing out there accountability and uh um uh, you know you got to I'm just thinking, who do you think uh, on something like this? I mean, we're talking with Richard Wilson, regulatory expert with uh, TransProducts.com, about the CVSA Road Check 2013 coming up June 4th through the 6th. Um, you think they're going to be targeting the small, you know, the non-big name carriers more than the, you know, the big mega fleets that we have? I mean, if, I mean, if Snyder Snyder rolls by and then Jim Bob Trucking rolls by. Uh, chances are they'll, they're going to let Snyder go and grab Jim Bob, or you think they? Um, uh, I mean, how does it work? You think? I mean, do they, they do they target the smaller, non-big name carriers, or is it just you know anything across the board? All right, um, this is my personal. I want I want to qualify this with this is my personal opinion. Uh, mm-hmm. I can't speak on behalf of what the guidelines are going to be set up based on CVSA guidelines, but. Uh, the potential of pulling the smaller guy around back and finding violations, whether they're true and correct, versus the larger carrier. The larger carriers are probably going to be inspected, but not at the same ratio of fleet size versus um, the amount. So, uh, if you're if you're trying to produce data, you know which CVS. This is all this is. It's data gathering. So yeah. what are you going? What is your potential target going to be? The smaller guy that, or the you know, they're going to run your CVSA. Okay, they're going to run it before you pull on, pull in there. They're going to already know who you are. Run it by your DOT number. They're going to look at your violations, and if you're borderline or you have some violations, they're probably going to pick you out. Um, the larger carriers have a much lesser ranking on the because they have more trucks and the inspections versus the total amount of trucks is going to keep the violation the thresholds down under peer grouping so you know they're going to supply information so yeah i'm going to believe they're probably going to you know i'm not going to say the word pick on but they're probably going to on a one-to-one apples to apples ratio I would look at if they even if it was ten to one big carriers to small carriers, then the ten to one in actuality because of the size of the fleets, there'll be a thousand to one small trucker owner operator to large fleet. Yeah, I would think so too. I mean, obviously it's a math- mathematical situation anyway. I mean, like eighty-five percent of the carriers in the U.S. are small carriers anyway, and you know we can't. Uh, ignore the fact too; it is a money-making thing. I mean, the big, the big mega fleets, the uh, mega, the big carriers. You know, they've got the money for the new tires and and everything to maintain the maintenance. And the smaller carriers, you know, they just don't. I mean, I see a lot of these smaller carriers running around here. They have ten, fifteen trucks and running on almost bald tires, and they simply just don't have the money for the tires. So, and and the eighty-five percent, you know, of the smaller carriers in the country. So, I mean, I think the mathematical, the the math is just against them anyway. All right, well, let me let me say this, too, okay? Now, include into this, there's 700,000 registered DOT companies out there, okay? And out of that 700,000 700, approximate DOT registered companies, that's people that drive trucks over 10,001 pounds in interstate commerce. So by saying that, you have a lot of people that are landscapers, you have a lot of people that are uh, hot shots, you have a lot of people that are 13,000-pound doolies, that are going to be involved in this, that are going to sort of 
uh, add to and, you know, put numbers on the boards for the statistics that aren't a high-risk, high-accident, high-profile that uh, they're going to gather numbers off of. So by looking at that, you've got to understand that the numbers are not going to just come in from the Snyders and, and the Billy Jim Bob produce all right. coming out of Florida or South Carolina. So when you take and you incorporate all that into it, you got guys out here that don't even know their DOT. And, uh, you know, that's where we've been getting a lot in Maryland, being from Delaware with a small state. I mean, you breathe or you belch and you're in another state, so you're an interstate. So the larger states is a little bit different. I understand, like down in Texas, I have carriers down here that, I mean, these guys are running maximum hours and never leave the border of the state. But still, you've got the people, they still fall in the same categories. They've still got a DOT number on their truck. They've got a Texas DOT number and they're going to be pulled in on the scales. And, uh, I mean, they may, they may have kicked the fire extinguisher in the pickup truck, and it's not in the mount, and they're going to get rode up for, you know, violation of a safety for not having a mounted fire extinguisher, um, you know, the whatever. So when you put the big picture together, you know, the, the 28 or 30% of the actual fleet, the United States fleet of over-the-road truckers, compared to the service and supply group of people that are under DOT regulations. You know, yeah. I, I'm a firm believer, and Alan, you and I have talked about this, a cookie-cutter one-fits-all does not work. But that's what the rules we have to deal with right now. And those rules are such that, that you know, they're going to gather a lot of data from those people that they're going to present. And when they present it, it's like a news media writing up about an accident involving a truck that was an F-250. Yeah, well, that's a good point. I mean, that's an excellent point because every, um, as you were saying all that, I, I remember last year during this road check, they had it here in Florida, and uh, uh, I mean, I saw some big trucks pulled in, but you know, I saw a lot of uh, hot shot service. You know, the 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 dually pickup pulling the pulling the big trailer behind, but they have a DOT number, so that's that's an excellent point. That's all going to be added into this. I mean, if you look at it right now, I'll give you a perfect example, and I don't like to use this only, uh, but it is it is, it is is a, a good indicator of what I'm talking about. Anybody out there has watched um, that program um, uh, about, you know, the, the hot shots to pull on TV, and they go to that uh, U-ship, and they go online, they bet on loads and all that crap. If you look at those guys, you'll notice they make comments about running. They have to run this and overnight and this, that, and the other. And, I mean, they don't really, I mean, they don't even realize, but they're stating exactly what I'm saying, that they think because they're driving a pickup truck or they're driving an F-350 or a 3500 dually or something like that, that they're not a big motor carrier. And so they're kind of like don't feel that they're under the same regulation, but there's a majority of them even over the larger carriers. So they're an easy target for these people to write up for, I mean, you know, violations, and, and and a lot of these people don't even understand the uh, complexity of the DOT. All they know is they got stopped by a scale once, and a cop told them they had to get a DOT number. They get a DOT number, the next thing you know, they go and they have a new entry-level audit. Um, you know, they get everything they need from a supplier like me or somebody sets them up, you know, very inexpensively. And they go on and they continue to operate for years and years and years without any hassle. And then all of a sudden they can't, can't keep understanding why they get these, when they get stopped and they get rode up for these minor infractions. Well, they're not being given tickets. They're not being given civil penalties. So they don't look at the importance of it. The next thing you know, the DOT goes, goes in and does a complete audit or an intervention. 
and they find themselves in a dangerous situation of after writing a, a corrective action. Well, you know, I mean, that's part of what the rules are, but there again, we go to the cookie cutter, one size fits all. Well, you know, uh, I'm just sitting here thinking, you know, it's uh, this this uh, road check. Uh, I believe it was formed in 1988, and since uh, since that time, they have inspected over one million trucks, and I think it's just going to get bigger with the CSA. But you were talking earlier about you know erroneous violations, and you know one one problem I know drivers have because I, I've been there, I've had it myself <laughs> a few times, yeah, uh, and, and amazing. And surprisingly, uh, most of those times have been in the state of Maryland, so I'll just throw that out there. But they know that if they have a, you know, if the driver, if they give a driver a violation for whatever, former manner or bad tire, brakes not adjusted correctly, whatever the violation is, and, you know, they choose to be on, they choose to uh, go to the uh court date they have a date set for the court here you know the court and all that stuff they know when that court date rolls around the driver is probably going to be about you know several states away so i i i hear you saying you know just you know dot your you know dot your p's and q's or whatever the saying is have everything in order and and up your chances of not receiving a violation but if they have a erroneous violation like you were talking about and you know they know they're not going to be there on the court date. I mean, really, what what is it that they can do other than take legal matters? And most drivers won't do that anyway because of the time involved. There isn't anything they can do, unfortunately. Well, and, that was and, not and, my answer, but I was going to let you say it. So. <laughs> yeah, I know, I know, and 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 I and believe me, I'm there, brother. I mean, I'm with them. You know, I uh, I have right now. I have a four. I call it my force. I have about 36 lawyers that hire me as a professional witness because they're not familiar with the DOT regulations. Lawyers deal with law. I deal with regulations. So uh, I, I'm a contracted, hired uh, expert witness to go in. Basically, the lawyer, because I'm not a lawyer, I can't represent the individual. So what they do is the lawyer stands up and introduces me. Uh, I give, I hand over the judge a pre-printed um, uh, credentials list, the judge approves me, and then at which point I take over um, the case. And, and what we're finding out is is the jurisdictional uh, judging, um, uh, under, they understand common sense more than regulation, and if you can plead your case to them in such a way, and, you know, they're not familiar with the inspection, they're not familiar with a guy getting underneath of a truck, and writing up a violation. I'll give you an example, okay? Guy gets under your truck, and you have a bad slack adjuster. They happen. You and I know it. Automatic slack adjusters are a pain in the behind, okay? But they're mandatory. they got to be on your truck, so forth and so on. Okay, you got a bad automatic slack. Guy goes under there, and he checks it, okay? That should be written up as one violation, you know, break out of adjustment more than blah, 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 blah. Now, all of a sudden, and, and this case happened in Maryland, the driver was rode up for um, whatever rear axle, left side, brake, uh, automatic slack adjuster, inoperable for a truck manufactured after 1996, brake out of adjustment, you know, beyond the scope of 730 seconds, blah, 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 blah. Knowing allowing a driver to operate a commercial motor vehicle with a brake out of adjustment. I mean, I can sit there and tell you one brake adjustment produced six violations on an inspection. 
one breakout of adjustment, okay, with the court explaining the mechanical, I mean, I had to sit there and literally explain the mechanical applicability of a slack adjuster to the, to the judge and say, hey, it's mechanical. It can fail. How is a guy sitting in a cab 45 or 50 feet away from that brake going to know when it malfunctions? It's underneath the truck. It's not even required in a pre-trip inspection to go underneath the truck and check, check the brakes. You know, he's got, five, he's got you know, other axles, you know, ten, you know, 10 other brakes on that truck that are going to be operable. That one brake, he may not even feel it. So you're going to hold him accountable because of one brake, and you're going to give him sick charges for it? And, and you know, and under common sense, the, 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 the judge says, well, I, I can understand that. So I'm going to dismiss the case and just get the brake fixed or whatever, you know, and we'll go on with it. All that does is eliminate the civil penalty that is issued by the state for the violation of, of the state law. It doesn't have anything to do with the regulation. The six violations are still on the driver's inspection. They're still on the PSP, and they're still on the um, uh, uh, motor carrier's uh, maintenance. And there are six erroneous violations. It should only be one. Okay, so you know when you file the data queue, I've sent an actual letter from the clerk that was written. It said, you know, uh, this case was presented in front of a magistrate magistral um, officer of the court uh, deemed it it was uh, um, the driver was uh, not guilty, and I would like to have this removed not only from the uh, carrier's data queue but from the driver's PSP. And it came back, you know, in the normal six to eight weeks, and said. No action taken. And that was the end of it. Where do we go with, I mean, where in this process is an appeal? There is no appeal. The word of the inspecting committee, which probably contacted the officer, and the officer said, hell yeah, I wrote it, and I'm going to stick behind it. But yet, when my question comes up in front of the DUT officer, so I can name 37 inspections you did in the last 24 months, randomly over a 24-month period, and you can remember every inspection. And the officer says, you know what, that's ridiculous. I don't have to answer that question, and we're not going to answer that question. We're going to stick by it. No action is taken. So I go back to my original statement. Where's the accountability? Any judicial system in the United States gives you an appeal process, even a murder conviction. You have an appeals process, but because of CSA, a truck driver has no appeals process. Once the final determination is made, no action taken. So what's the point of the data queue? <laughs> uh, do you want my personal opinion? <laughs> it's I mean, what, what is the point? I mean, there are some people get they get their um, violations removed, aren't there? And, and yes, and there is, and there's a lot of states that will review it, and if you give them the proper documentation, they will uh, take that and they will accept it. But it's not a hundred percent. So, um, you know, I'm going to say it's a sixty forty sixty. You're not going to get any rule, and forty percent will um, uh, review it and will take the information you present them. I mean, you got it. You can't just write. Let me explain something about data queue. You can't put on there. Hell no, I wasn't wrong and send that in. That doesn't work. You have to supply data. And if you put it, all you do is you take, you put it into a PDF form, you attach it to the data queue, you send it, send pictures. Uh, I had a, uh, I don't know if I showed this to you, or Alan, or you saw it, where I had a bus carrier that was written up for a leaking seal on an alternator. Uh, yeah. there, is, there is no oil seal on an alternator. How do you write somebody <laughs> yeah, up? That's that was true. <laughs> 
that was a blatant violation of an inspector. And when that was presented with the pictures and everything else, the inspector came back, the very inspector, because I requested that the, that the evidence be presented to the inspector who sits in Lancaster, Pennsylvania, every week catching buses coming up for the, you know, the, the, the outlet stores and everything else. This guy's assigned to that area. He is there all the time. And I rode a bus up there that he inspected, and he rode him up for having a trash can in the aisle when the people were off the bus. The driver took and dumped the trash can, brought it back, had it sitting in the aisle while he answered his cell phone in a parking lot. The inspector knocked on the door, came on the bus, and the only violation they wrote him up was having a trash can in the exit aisle of the bus. And I'm sitting here thinking to myself, you have got to be kidding. Tell me that's not an erroneous violation that the guy just out of human nature couldn't have said, uh, what are you going to do with that trash can? Well, as soon as I get off the phone, I'm, you know, I'm calling, my boss is calling me. As soon as I hang up, because I'm not driving, I'm parked in a parking lot, I'm going to put a trash bag in it, and I'm going to set it back behind the seat. But did he yeah. give him that opportunity? Never said a word to him. Handed him the inspection report, said, you look really good. The guy signed it, and all of a sudden, now he's got a violation of a passenger motor carrier, which we all know they're on a witch hunt, which they need to be, by the way. I'm not totally against that one. But here's an innocent guy that, that, that does everything 110%. And the only thing I could find was a plastic trash can in the aisle of the bus while nobody was on the bus. But that, what did that do? Did that justify the inspector doing his job? Well, that, you mean, no. that wasn't fair. And so we wrote no. a data queue, and we sent that data queue in, and now that data queue was overturned. But how no, it ridiculous was. was it? Oh, yeah, but how ridiculous was it? You know what I'm saying? Well, what about the alternator with the oil leak or whatever it was? Did that get overturned? No. Nope, no action taken. And and now, do they have to say why? I, I, see, that blows my mind because that's a completely erroneous um, fault. I mean, I mean, if there's no oil still on an alternator, I mean, how can they just just blow it off and not do anything? Well, that's why I sent it to you because I wanted to show the most perfect example of an erroneous violation, and I mean that one was there. Anybody that that has any any sense or knows anything knows that an alternator does not have an oil pan to it. Right. So, so I mean, you know, I mean, was, I mean no, no action taken is all they got to say. Now, where okay. do you appeal that? Where do you appeal that to? There should be, now, now, let me get on my soapbox for a second. I feel there should be an independent, chosen group of individuals that are made up by industry professionals, mechanics and so forth, trucking company owners and drivers and owner-operators, that is an appeals board that appeals are sent to that meet about maybe four times a year or whatever, and all their job is to do, and they don't have to meet at the Grand Hilton in, in Washington, D.C. They can meet, meet at the Holiday Inn Express somewhere, you know, throughout the country, different locations, and sit down and review these, and if they decide that they were not a hindrance or an indicator to an unsafe operation, they can consideration the evidence and overrule but that's not incorporated in the CSA and the safety advocates, and the MIXAC committee is probably never going to approve that because that's not what they're there for. I mean, if you look at what the MIXAC committee is made of, it's high, you know, it's very heavy in enforcement and advocacy, and, you know, it's got a couple of members from the, you know, the ATA, 
The only poor guy on there, and I feel so sorry for him, is my personal friend, Todd Spencer, and they browbeat him and beat him, and basically they give him time to speak, and then they go on to whatever they're doing, but their decisions are already made. What can they do to hinder and harass the industry because they feel that harassment is going to make the industry better when harassment does nothing more but increase costs, uh, reduces profit, and it's not doing anything to produce it. My biggest thing is since CSA has come into effect in 2010, prior to 2010, the crash rate and the death rate was coming down significantly. And since CSA has come in as supposed to be the golden child, we've had an increase in crashes and highway deaths and crash causation. So is CSA working? No. Why is it working? Because, number one, it's not true and correct data. And number two, it's tainted, and it's used by local law enforcement and, uh, you know, state enforcement, truck enforcement agencies as a cash cow and as a strong arm to stand up just like the rest of the federal government during the current administration is they have a strong arm mentality that, you know, it doesn't matter whether it's the DOT, FMCSA, IRS, or whoever, mess with us and we'll teach you how to mess. And yeah, and it's that, scary. It's getting scary. And it relates right to trucking. And the thing is, trucking is the silent bastard child that everybody can get away with that they're putting in the hands of these errant inspectors, and these errant inspectors have no accountability to write anything they want. I mean, let's face it, if a driver can become unemployable because PSB, why can't if I take a certain inspector to court and beat him and take a certain inspector and prove through evidence that he's writing erroneous violations, why can't I have his certification, his mix-up certification taken away from him and removed from inspecting? Who's going to do that? His boss isn't going to admit that he's got a rogue inspector. No, this guy is probably going to be labeled as a hero. Yeah. Well, hey, let me ask you a question. I mean, certainly when Todd is uh, speaking with you know people in the FMCSA, which he does all the time, doesn't he, I mean, person to person, you know, face to face, and he brings up something so ridiculous as that um, oil leak, or I forgot what the example was. I had heard you say it, say it before also, but I... I oil seal on the alternator. Okay, oil seal on the, And when he says something like that to them, and says, now how do you feel about that? Don't you think that's wrong? I mean, what what well, is the response? Well, I don't. I don't want to. You know, number one, I, I will say this. I, I you know, uh, I didn't get taught. That that was my deal. I really didn't get taught involved with that. But when when Todd gets up and he, he talks common sense in front of the Mix Act Committee as a representative of our industry, Todd being a driver, you know, with OIDA and OIDA is a good representative. Um, you know, and and they and Todd speaks common sense. Well, we know Washington has a place for common sense. It's called the basement. Uh, because common sense doesn't provide the information they need to substantiate what their position and what their job is. So by saying that, um, I'm going to go and say that uh, I had a talk with Bill Quaid um, about the uh, uh, accident rating and the unfair um, of recordable versus preventable accidents and how it's costing several or costing thousands of trucking companies' business because of the unfamiliarity of how the rating is established by shippers and brokers and using it as a gauge to determine whether or not they contract, they, they give them contracts or give them hauls. So when I brought this up, Bill Quaid to me said, 
well, you know, I don't care. I wouldn't want to ship my product on somebody that had a high accident rating. I said, but yet the accident rating can be based on recordables and has nothing to do with fault. So a small carrier with five to ten trucks could have, you know, a couple accidents that are, you know, nothing they could do. They were parked. They were stopped at a lake. Somebody ran into them, got hurt, had to be carried to a hospital, which makes it recordable. The vehicle hit the truck in the tandem, so there wasn't any damage to the truck except a scuff, but the car had to be towed. That made it recordable, but yet the driver was not held accountable or at fault. Well, the state police don't have the resources to be able to make that determination. But yet you can hold my carrier accountable because they have to do a post-accident based on whether or not it's a recordable accident and the driver's charged. So they have a certain minimum time that they have to require that driver to do a post-accident. But yet if the driver's not charged, he's not even required to have that. But yet you put that out there that you say is not available to the public when it is, that's a blatant lie. It's there. It's on the website. You don't even have to have the DOT number. You can just run the company by name and and do a search, and it will come up, and you can go right on and click on it and see that they have seven recordable accidents. It doesn't say preventable. It doesn't say who was involved. It just says that the total list of recordable accidents. And Bill Quaid said, and his words were, and I quote, well, maybe that's a good thing because maybe I don't want to put my product on a truck that has bad luck. Oh, so now we're basing it on luck. Yeah, yeah. That, that was an intelligent response. <laughs> but, that's, but that's the mindset of who we're dealing with, and this guy is a deputy administrator of, of uh, compliance. And and, and he, the- he's defending everything that is wrong with the system because he has to to protect his job. And I understand that, and that's the bureaucracy of Washington. And until we get somebody in a governmental position that stands up and goes, whoa, no, this is wrong, this needs to be changed, because it's not going to be changed, because the advocates are going to go, an accident is an accident, I don't care who calls it. it. You know, if if my kid causes the accident and gets killed, the truck driver is automatically guilty, because if he hadn't been there, it wouldn't have happened. Well, that's not right. That's not fair. And that's the burden that our industry is under. And then they wonder why. Like I said last year in Kansas City, we have a crisis. There is going to be a driver shortage because, one, drivers are going to put up with this, number one. They're getting tired of the unfairness. And, number two, companies are not going to last because they don't have any recourse to file or take the time or the energy or even have the resources available to fight anything because there's no accountability, there's no place for them to go and file an appeal because every judicial system in this country has an appeal process except regulations. Regulations are not laws. Regulations can be made by a group of people sitting around, coming up with a wonderful idea, making sure it's not unconstitutional, putting it into the uh, federal register, the federal register posting it, accepting comments which have no bearing on it. It's just they have to post them. But you ever notice the FMCSA comes back and says, well, we reviewed your comments of so-and-so, and we find them you know, unex- uh, you know, unapplicable to this particular situation. Yeah, they were applicable. The person gave their point and example, but if it's so determined by the committee that reads it and they say it's unapplicable, 
that's all they have to do. And then they say the final rule date is such and such, and the enforcement date is in such and such. It's we've argued and argued about the 34-hour restart, the one the one to 5 a.m. Um, the the one the one 34-hour restart in 168 hours. That's not practical to safety, but the split super burp, uh, uh, allowing a driver to make the decision when he's fatigued and not holding the, and, and 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 making him, letting him have the opportunity to take a break in the sleeper, and 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 not holding holding that against him. You know, and allowing him to use that and making him safer and getting to a safer place, that doesn't make any sense. That's not going to be ruled on, but they're worried about the one in five period in a 34-hour or disallowing. I mean, all they did was make everybody go to a recap. So, but, you know, what we show them that makes sense, they don't consider. They don't want to listen to. But, and they won't even give us an appeal process. So is there a problem with the FMCSA? Yes. Is there a problem with the whole enforcement? Yes. All these problems are out there. Everybody listening tonight and everybody talking knows this. But until somebody steps up within the government and says, you know, you're right, and they give Todd the, the, the time uh, to speak his piece and take it into consideration. They make the people that make these regulations accountable. They make them prove where they got their data from and not just let them present uh, erroneous data like with BMI and, and sleep apnea. I mean, that was taken from a study at the University of Pennsylvania that had no um, credibility or accountability, just that the numbers presented to the Medical Review Board and the Medical Review Board made it a standard. So, you know, we, again, we, 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 do you remember the show, Richard, we did where we questioned that data? Do you remember that? Sure, I do, because I was the one that brought it up to you. And, and okay, I'm well, we actually, wait a minute, we actually recalculated it. And the you know how you can do anything you want with figures? Well, <laughs> that, that was the case with one of those. Right. Because right. when they. Dividing, it was it was just the wrong kind of uh, calculate formula that they were using to get those numbers. I mean, it, I couldn't believe it, really. So well, let me explain. Let me explain something to you about that very issue right now. Sleep apnea. Okay, sleep apnea is a standard. Okay, there's a standard to determine that the medical examiner that's doing the examination has to go by, but it's not a diagnosed illness until a specialist or a sleep study is done. So the medical examiner that happens to be doing the examination, or because now they're going with the National Registry, which pretty much puts most of the, uh, um, uh, puts most of the uh, uh, medical exams in the hands of occupational therapists. So guess what? I have an occupational therapy center. I'm a registered DOT certified medical examiner. Guess what I got next door? What? Don't I have a sleep testing lab? Oh, yeah, right. I'm going to do what? Make money off of it. So guess what? I get a bunch of medical people that are in the same boat I am, and I get them all to come out and go to the federal motor carrier and say, here's a survey, here's a study by the University of Pennsylvania that, by the way, if everybody knows this, could not even get the the demographic drivers in there that only 1% of that entire um, study was done using truck drivers because truck drivers weren't going to go in and do it. Number one, they didn't have the time to go in to do it, so they took the general population of Altoona and State College, Pennsylvania, and nothing against people from Central Pennsylvania, but I would not use that 
is probably one of the most healthiest demographic areas. Plus, if I interview the person and I want to take something, I'm not going to take the guy that's in good health or the gal that's in good health. I'm going to take the overweight, completely miserable slob, and I'm going to sit there and say, become part of our study, you get free health care, and you get and you get free um, physicals, and I'm going to put them into the study, and I'm going to say, Jesus, everybody with a neck over 17 and everybody with a BMI over 32 has a potential to be sleep apnea, so we're going to send them over here, we're going to give them sleep apnea test, and 18% come out of it as diagnosed sleep apnea. Yeah, well, and that's, we're that's pretty much why it was miscalculated. Does that demographic generate and show 13 million? No. It's a particular demographic of a part of Pennsylvania. It's not nationwide. But that whole program and that whole study was used to determine what the standards for an entire industry nationwide. Yep, remember that. There was a big, uh, and, and wasn't the presentation actually in uh, Maryland, that whole big deal that went on in Maryland? It was it was held right at the Mixer Committee. I was there. I, I I heard the lady from Penn State get up and give the information and the data. And when Todd Spencer asked her one question, she said, and he said to her, "How did you and what criteria did you to valid use to validate this?" And she said, right there in that meeting, well. There was we just used the total number of people per inspection that there wasn't any real demographical validation because we couldn't get enough truck drivers to participate. But yet this is the standard they're going to use to, to um, or this is the study they're going to use to develop a standard for our industry. Right. So there right. Again. Now I now doesn't OIDA have some kind of lawsuit out against FMCSA? Oh, I just got more lawsuits against FMCSA than. Uh, uh, a New York lawyer has against trucks. And how's that going? It depends on what court of appeals it goes into. Whether they're um, administrative friendly, they're you know I'm not I'm not, not going to get into a political aspect of conservative judge or a liberal judge, but you know you've got certain courts of appeals that like to be very active. They'll take those and 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 I mean. They'll go with them. Then, then you know, you ever notice? It's really funny if you look at all these lawsuits. Everybody takes their lawsuit to the the uh, court of appeals is friendly to their cause. Yeah, <laughs> I'm not going to take I'm not going to take a lawsuit to a liberal judge that has a conservative background to it because I'm not going to get ruled in my favor. So I'm going to search out, find the most you know conservative court and uh, appeals judge. And I'm going to take it to him. So it's the same thing. They're going to go to the courts. ATA is going to go to their courts. Uh, FMCSA is going to go to their courts. So, I mean, you know, that is kind of uh, just a political merry-go-round there. But, yeah. I mean, OIDA, OIDA at least puts it out there. And when they take it to court, they put it into the into the hands of an individual to listen to all sides of it and present common sense. Hello? Hello? Hello. I'm sorry. I had to. Um, you hear what's going on in the background over here, right? Oh, is that is that yeah. yours? <laughs> no. Okay. Well, listen, listen. Time's kind of winding down here anyway. But um, so, really, Richard, on this uh, road check coming up, June 4th through the 6th, you know, uh, drivers cross, uh, dot your I's and cross your T's, and you would suggest that really the two main 
two main areas that they really, really need to be up on and focus on are probably the HOS and well, and definitely the 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 maintenance of the vehicles. Those are going to be maintenance probably number one, but those are going to be the main two things that um, these inspections are going to really be targeting. Yeah, pull your medical card out of your wallet, check it, make sure you're not expired. Uh, that's a that's a very simple thing, simply because with the new standards coming in with self-certification, you got to remember, guys and gals, next year in, Jan- in, in February, uh, if your medical card expires, your CDL will be downgraded to a Class D or whatever your state non-CDL is. You will lose your uh, CDL endorsement. If you get caught in a truck, you'll be caught driving a truck without a CDL. So it's very important you make sure you're self-certified. Most states have already incorporated that and requiring it. So that's sort of a mute point at this point anymore like it used to be. Uh, The main thing is going to be maintenance. Check that truck. Check that truck. Check that truck. Make sure if you're doing paper logs, you dot your I's, you cross your T's, you do not. uh, You show a 15-minute pre-trip, you show a 15-minute pro-trip. Um, make sure that you uh, 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 you write everything, you don't abbreviate, don't give them any reason. Do me a favor, when you add your lines up, add them up correctly, okay? Make sure if you get a 10-hour uh, off-duty, you don't do it in 9 hours and 45 minutes. You need that full 10 hours before you drive it, draw it to the bottom line. These are the things that they're going to be out looking for. The simple little mistakes that we go, whoops, now are going to be important, so don't make any whoops for those 72 hours. Yeah, I think I think you hit it right on the nail. It's, it's a simple, simple little things that you know most of these drivers have been doing for years and years and years, and either you know even they're tired or it's just a simple little mistake. I mean, boy, it's going to come back and bite them big time. And you know, it's, and also you know, on top of all this, Richard, July 1st, new HOS rules take effect. Oh, we don't even, that's a whole other show. We'll do that next. That's Thursday. a whole other show. I know, but I just wanted to throw that out there just in case, <laughs> and just in and case you know they've forgotten about it. Yeah, and everybody understands that rule is in effect. That oh, rule yeah. is in effect right now. Enforcement starts July first. Right. So guess who's right. going to be Why? sitting there like a catcher behind the plate in full gear, waiting for you to throw him the fastball? And on July 1st, I guarantee you that there is going to be a rush of logs and checking. And, I mean, the biggest thing is going to be the 30-minute break. Because right. most of your 34 hours, they can be, you can actually recap and get away with that, blah, blah, blah. But I guarantee you, if you don't draw down on the bottom line and show that 30-minute break between three and eight hours, that they're going to nail people who just aren't used to doing it. Truck drivers, including myself, and I want to put it out there, are creatures of habit, and it takes a hell of a lot for us to break those habits. And all these guys, and this is my little secret message, everybody out there that fills their logs out after the run, and they know their runs and they know what they're doing, that aren't used to it, don't incorporate that 30 minutes, are going to get busted. So that's going to be the key factor, okay? So that makes sure that you show down there at least that 30-minute break is the big thing. Yeah, and I wanted to throw that out there just to remind everybody because, I mean, it's been been in effect for a while, but July 1st, compliance date, so better get ready. So <laughs> always, always something hitting us, but... Um, all right, listen, Richard, really appreciate it. I know you're tired and you've been traveling. And Where are you headed to, by the way? 
Uh, well, right now I'm in Texas. I'll be here until Saturday. I go back home. I have to go to New Jersey, and there's a possibility of either Atlanta or North Dakota. Oh man, man! You ever heard <laughs> heard of an airplane? They're a lot faster. Well, I put it to you this way: um, I, I get a Christmas card from U.S. Air, and uh, I've accumulated enough miles to now where I'm actually starting to get free first-class upgrades. So that's not a bad thing. <laughs> yeah, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, have a great evening. Really appreciate you uh, coming back on. A lot of good information, and we'll uh, we'll do it again. Always a pleasure. And one thing I want to do, please, everybody out there, go on Allen's site. Uh, go wherever you have to. Look up the survey. Fill the survey out. We need the data. Uh, the more data you get, the harder I have to work. And these people love to make me work hard. And I love working hard, and I want to really present this, and I want to be able to put it in front of the feds that we have a parking problem out here. I don't just want it to be rumors. I just don't want it to be hearsay. I want collective, solid data. And please, please, come to the uh, third annual uh, social media convention in Kansas this year. Come out, listen to us, hear us, learn, and uh, be a part of it. Uh, I think everybody that I've speak, spoke to that have been a part of it have learned. They've come out of there. It's an exciting time. It's a good uh uh, just getting together, talking to your fellow people, people with the same interest. Uh, it's a great time. And uh, get a hold of Alan and Donna, get your tickets. I'd be glad to see all of you. And uh, make sure you fill out your survey. All right. Well, thank, thanks, Richard. Appreciate it. Looking forward to it again. And uh, thanks for saying all that. We we always appreciate you having you on the show. Thanks, Richard. Well, you're more than welcome. All right. All right. Thanks. Thanks again. Have a have a have a good evening. Get some rest. And uh Donna, you have a, you have you have a few announcements, right? Well, I you know, I'm gonna just repeat the truck uh survey. Well, I'm gonna take a break, but I, I didn't even get a chance to confirm with you, but you've got a few, right? I think because we did the the parking announcement in the beginning of the show that we'll just rerun it because we've got people that came on after the beginning and so they need to hear about this too. Yeah, I've got them popping up here and uh and uh I haven't even thanked the listeners. I appreciate it. I see you all there. Arkansas, Kansas, California, Texas, Virginia, New Jersey, Colorado, New Mexico, Oklahoma, Florida, Washington State, just kind of all over. I appreciate it. And, well, I tell you what, we'll take a quick break now, and uh, we'll come back, and we'll wrap up this broadcast of Truth About Trucking Live. Stay with us. There's a lot of copycats out there, but you know there's only one. Truth About Trucking Live. Don't go anywhere. Alan will be right back. Hey, thanks again for listening to Truth About Trucking Live, and I want to tell you about XRS Corporation and how they're leading the way for the industry's mobile technology. XRS puts the power to improve every aspect of trucking in the hands of the ones who matter the most, the drivers. Named to honor the natural evolution of Zada, their previous name, and Road Science, their ongoing business focus, XRS is a company and a breakthrough mobile technology platform dedicated to alleviating the increasing demands on drivers drivers, owner-operators, and fleet managers. XRS is leading the trucking industry's migration to mobile devices for collecting and analyzing compliance and management data. Through XRS, fleet managers, owners, and drivers can collect, sort, view, and analyze data to help lower costs, increase safety, attain compliance with governmental regulations, and improve customer satisfaction all through their mobile devices. 
Their simple plug-and-play solution eliminates costly equipment purchases, installation, and training by delivering intuitive cloud-based technology built directly through all major wireless carriers to virtually any mobile device. For more information, visit them at xrscorp.com, and you can also find them on Twitter, Facebook, and YouTube, XRS Corporation, dedicated to making the life of the driver easier. Learn more about their breakthrough mobile technology platform. Check them out at xrscorp.com. Hey everyone, thanks for listening to Truth About Trucking Live on Blog Talk Radio. I hear from a lot of newcomers to the industry who still have that entrepreneur spirit that has made the United States of America the great country that she is. And many of them still have one goal in mind, and that is to someday have their own rig and become an owner-operator. Truth About Trucking Live is all about providing honest, reliable information about the OTR trucking industry, especially for those just beginning their truck driving careers. Running your own trucking business is part of the entrepreneurial spirit that has kept America moving since trucks were first used by the military in World War One. If you're considering starting your own owner-off business, there's only one name that you need to know, Lone Mountain Truck Leasing. LoneMountainTruck.com offers the best lease purchase plans in the industry. There's no huge balloon payment at the end, and when you make that final monthly payment, they hand over the title, the truck is yours. They require a very reasonable down payment, and the monthly payments are kept at an affordable $1,000 per month and sometimes even less. A great inventory to choose from, including Peterbilts, Volvos, Internationals, and Freightliners, and all of their trucks are mechanically checked out, dependable, and ready to go to work. And unlike trucking company leases, if you choose to change motor carriers, the truck goes with you. It's your truck. Check them out at LoneMountainTruck.com or give them a call toll-free, 866-512-5685. LoneMountainTruck.com, the honest guys for the sweet lease deals. LoneMountainTruck.com. You're listening to Truth About Trucking live on Blog Talk Radio. Now, back to the show. All right, welcome back. Uh, boy, you know, Donner, old Richard Wilson, he can, boy, he can spill those regulations out. He can, he can probably get more information in in the shortest amount of time than probably anybody I know. Yeah, well, you can hear <clears throat> uh, hear the passion in his yeah. too, and I think that that draws a lot of people because it's just not you know reciting a bunch of stuff or it, it really comes from the heart, and I think a lot of pre- people appreciate that um, just like we do. Well, he does all this, uh, you know, like like many do, but he's uh, he he's up there. I mean, he he does all this on on his time off. I mean, you know, he's you hear how he's traveling and he's working and he's he's in a He's in a hotel in Texas right now and takes a time out when he should be resting to be on the show. He he puts in a lot of his uh, personal downtime for not just for us but for just so many people. Yeah, he really does on social media sites, um, <clears throat> radio shows. Um, you know, I, it's it's just kind of like you know what the true advocates do. It comes from their heart, so we appreciate it and. Uh, 
he knows that though. <laughs> How many times we, you know he's been on here and talked about all the regulations when CSA first started and you know yeah we're always we're always dumping more work on them like this survey uh-huh. i mean we get this we help get the survey out there and then we we say okay hope richard uh andy okay y'all do the work yeah <laughs> now and it's going to be a lot of work and uh which reminds me um for those who missed the announcements that we gave in the uh, early show um that tr- uh rich was talking about there's the truck parking survey and for anyone who's listening who believes or even if you don't believe it, but you know you've you've ever had to park your truck and had a difficult time, then there's the National Truck Parking Survey that's going on now, that's collecting data specifically from truck drivers <clears throat> to explain, uh, to be collected and presented to DOT their drivers' feelings about their difficulties in parking, and it includes where, what times, examples. And besides that, there's also a focus group going on of about, I'm going to guess, 25 drivers who are actually weekly collecting data and and pictures. Um, I mean, they're, they're having really intense records about their driving experience that's going on but the presentation of all this is going to take place in October for the truck parking survey and you need to to take the survey go on askthetrucker.com big box on the right hand side and it says truck parking survey and this way you can be a part of the voice that's going to be presented to DOT and from what Rich says tonight um, Alan, I didn't see the article today on, in Landline, but uh, they said that this is going. Uh, DOT is actually going to use these results that that we're all collecting for the convention in October. They're going to use it and present it to Congress. Now, I'm going to confirm, you know, all that with Hope Rivenberg, who, by the way, and I, I have to include this, who is the crusader of this. She was the crusader for Jason's law for more truck parking. Um, It took a long time uh, to get that through. It finally made it in the transportation bill. If if you don't know who Hope is, um, her husband, Jason Rodenberg, was murdered at a truck stop because he couldn't find safe truck. No, at an abandoned gas station. I'm sorry. Yes, an abandoned gas station, and uh, and she she just said no. Enough is enough. This isn't going to happen to anybody else. Went to Congressman Tonko. We put it to the House, and three four years later, it it made it in the transportation bill. Now we're fighting for the funding, and that's what this truck parking survey is all about. So everybody, askthetrucker.com. Take the survey. It's for you, and this is your time to have a voice. So. We look forward to uh, seeing you at the presentation at the convention in October, and you can uh, look on the site for all the information on that too. Which yeah, and that site is truckingsocialmedia.com. Yes, I was just getting to that. Oh, okay. Just leading up to the crescendo, um, which is going to take place October 11th through 13th, Harris, Kansas City, Missouri. Our speakers are Jim Bouchard. 
inspirational speaker and social media speaker. Hope Rivenberg, Rich Wilson, and Andy Warkaba will be presenting on the results of the truck parking survey and the intense truck parking uh, focus group. And we have Jeff Barker, a columnist with Landline Magazine, who's going to be presenting on truck driver wages and the driver shortage. Uh, if you plan on coming, shine that truck up. Pride in your ride contest going on. It's uh, how pretty the beauty te- uh, beauty contest, as Scott Freed calls it, uh, for trucks. Uh, really nice prizes and trophies, Cobra GPSs and CBs. And uh, who is Cobra, by the way, is one of our gold sponsors. Um, you've been hearing XRS tonight uh, a lot on the commercials, and they're a gold sponsor also. Um, yeah, there's going to be about 10,000 in giveaways from Go Truck Stop, uh, Cobra, and Video Dash Cam. So there's going to be some nice prizes given away uh, this year. Uh, then we have our Making a Difference Award, which is uh, just a, a wonderful uh, experience. Uh, our, our guest tonight, Rich Wilson, is one of the candidates this year for that award, along with Randall Doan of uh, Jeff, Jeff Truckers United and Kathy Cass of A Trucker's Wife, uh, who helps drivers while they're on the road cope with uh, so many difficulties that they have. Um, what do you get? Okay, I'm going to tell you. Friday night, if you do get your ticket, you have to attend the Friday night party. And that's what it is. It's a party. And it's food. There is a, a, a cash bar there. Um, I mean, we had so much food. Alan, we had so much food last year. I, I, I mean, there was a lot left over. That, I, mean, I couldn't believe how much food was there. That, that, did you notice that? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I don't, I don't know what the deal was, but man, I would have liked to have taken it all to the room because it's the best food I ever had. I know. So anyway, if you if you sign up and if you can get there on Friday night, you want to come to the party on Friday night. Um, then we have all the buffets, the speaker presentations, the question and answer sessions, free parking, uh, the driver prize giveaways. The Truck Contest, which is the Pride in Your Ride and the Making a Difference Award. So, again, we look forward to seeing you on October 11th through the 13th. Um, this is really one of the only uh, or the only only event, trucking event, I know of that is totally dedicated to the driver. So, um, oh, and for, if you need reservations for your hotel, anybody listening, um, they have a limited number of rooms this year, and it's pretty limited. And I think they're half full from when I spoke to them. Uh, so you really want to call Harris. I'm going to give you the number, and if you can, write it down. It's 1-800-427-7247. And you're going to have to tell them the code is S is in Sam, 1-0, T is in Tom, D is in David, S is in Sam, and M is in Mary. So that the code is S10TDSM. Uh, rates are $89 for Thursday and Sunday and $139 for Friday and Saturday. So we look forward to seeing you. Go to the website, get your ticket, www.truckingsocialmedia.com, and we're going to see you. And trust me, I know it's May, and you're thinking, wow, that's October. Uh, it goes fast. Uh, I, you blink your eyes, right, Alan? I mean, 
I, I, I can't even tell you how fast time goes. I know you can't you can't take a break for a second because you you take a blink and it's on you before you know it. I know. So uh, we're looking forward. We're working hard. We're going to make sure it's uh, even better than the last two years, if that's at all possible. Uh, but we're going to try. So uh, see you see you at Harris in Kansas City, Missouri. Yeah, check it out, truckingsocialmedia.com. And as Donna mentioned, one of their keynote speakers is uh, Jim Bouchard, and he's with thinklikeablackbelt.org. And he is, if you know anything about martial arts, he is a master rank. So if you're into martial arts and that kind of thing, uh, you want to meet a uh, a master Don, just uh, be there, truckingsocialmedia.com. A lot of great speakers and everything. And uh, Don, is that all you had? Um, yeah, that's all I have tonight. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, thanks again uh, to Richard Wilson of transproducts.com for uh, being our guest this evening. And, and check it out, transproducts.com. They do more than services. They they sell log books and leather products and uh, log rulers. I mean, all kinds of supplies. They sell all the supplies at a cheaper cost than those other guys so you know you're always everybody's always thinking you know you need to save money and pocket put some of that pocket that money in your pocket so if you need supplies and everything that's where you do it transproducts.com they have it all at a uh, a much cheaper price than uh than you'll find in most areas so thanks again richard for being here everybody on the phone lines in the chat and uh That will do it for this uh, broadcast. So until next time, I guess, we'll wrap it up, huh, Don? Yeah, I was trying to think some, you know, every 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 week I, I say, well, oh, I forgot to say this, I forgot to say that. And I'm trying as hard as I can, and I can't think of anything. So, <laughs> All right, well, that'll do it then. Thanks for joining us again. We really appreciate it. And uh, be sure to bookmark us and add us to your favorites, and you can be notified of when our next shows will be coming up. Uh, I think we have hit over 270,000 listens, so we are on the uh, path to uh, hitting that 300,000 listener mark. So we appreciate everybody tuning in. So until next time for Truth About Trucking Live, and on behalf of Donna Smith, uh, we appreciate it, and we will catch you next time. Everybody have a great evening, and um, tune in. Uh, I was trying to think. We have anything for next week, well, Donna? Next next week we're celebrating. I'm going to tell everybody now we're celebrating our anniversary. So we're probably not going to uh, be here next week, but we will post uh, one of the most popular um, replays, and it'll probably go along with what's going on right about now. So we'll put a couple of those replays up uh, to listen for, and we'll post them. Well, I thought I better ask because I didn't even know about this show until you told me at one o'clock this morning. So. Okay. Um, Oh, yeah. yeah, So, all right. Have a great evening, everybody. We'll catch you next time. Uh, Be safe. Thanks.